Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. All right, Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. I am serious. It is warm up here. Acts chapter 7. This morning we're going to take a look at the life of uh, Moses. If you think of Moses in the Old Testament and his role um, throughout history, he's one of the most prominent human beings in all of human history, one of the greatest leaders in all of human history, biblically, secularly, however you want to look at it. But it was God working in his life that made all the difference. It was Moses choosing God and choosing to follow after God. Um, And you know what's interesting about the life of Moses and kind of what we're going to look at uh, this morning is how Moses' life was broken clearly, and the Scripture points it out, so I think there's something for us to learn from it, how it was, his life was clearly broken into, into three you know, thirds. It was broken into thirds. And so Moses lived to be, according to Deuteronomy chapter 34, Moses lived to be 120 years old. And the first 40 years of Moses' life was spent in Egypt. And just to kind of get into the, the, the idea of the message, you have to know right from the, from the get-go that in the Scripture, Egypt is a picture of the world. It's a picture of the world. And, and the nation of Israel being delivered out of Egypt is a picture and type of us as believers, us as Christians being delivered out of this world. Right. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, who gave Himself for us, talking about Christ, gave Himself for us that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Why is this present world evil? Why is the world system evil? Because the God of this world is evil. The Bible tells us that Satan is the God of this world. There's several things about Moses as you study his life that's very interesting. You know, in, in, as far as I can tell, Moses in the Scripture is the first abandoned child in the Scripture. And as you look at Moses throughout Scripture, he is a picture of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of pictures and types in the Old Testament of people that uh, point toward Christ. And he's a picture type. One of the things that Moses has... Uh, um, uh, in common with Jesus Christ is when he was born, when when Moses was born, when Christ was born, there was a wicked world system in which it was dangerous for babies to be born at that time, and so Moses, when he was born, it was illegal for him, and the same with Christ. But now you're in Acts chapter seven, Acts chapter seven and verse. Start with me in verse nineteen, Stephen. The context here, Stephen is, is preaching and he's talking to the high priests and those of the, of the council here and he's giving them the history of their people, Israel. And he, he says in verse 19, uh, the same dealt subtly with our kindred 
and evil and treated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end that they might not live. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months and when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. Verse 22, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and and was mighty in words and in deeds. So Moses was a good talker. He was good with his words, which is interesting, which we'll find later. He was good with his words. He was mighty with his words, but he was also not just a talker. He was a doer. Moses was mighty in words and deeds. And when, it was, and when he was full, 40 years old. So this is his first, first third, first 40. It came into his heart. I heard a preacher preach a great message one time on the whole thing and he was using it. Like what it was. It came into his heart. It is good. And we'll get back to that. But it came into his heart to visit his brethren and the children of Israel. So here we see Moses, a man full of all wisdom. All wisdom of what? All wisdom of the world. All the wisdom of the Egyptians. Um, He was super educated. He was super successful. He went to the Harvard of his day and he excelled in that. Moses was... Uh, top of his class, prince of Egypt. This is important. To, I mean, the Egyptians at the time, they were brilliant. They were, they were the rulers of the world. They were the greatest architects, astronomers, uh, the, the pyramids that they built, the embalming, the medicine, all those things that were going on during this time was just amazing. And he is top of his class. He is excelling in this. And God put it... In the, at the end of all of this, after all this worldly education, all this worldly success, God puts it into His heart. Look at verse 24. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, He defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For He supposed His brethren would have understood how that God by His hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the next day He showed Himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, your brethren. He's trying, to, he's trying to break up a fight. He's trying to bring some unity amongst the brethren, the Hebrews. Why do you wrong one to another? And Verse 27, But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. And when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. So God put it into his heart. What was the it? That he was going to deliver his people that He was going to be the Deliverer, that He was going to help them uh, escape from the bondage of, of, uh, of Egypt. And He assumed 
<laughs> that the people would know that God put it into his heart, but they didn't, did they? They didn't understand it. They didn't want him as their deliverer. They didn't want him as his judge. And so as we look at his first 40 years, the first 40 years of Moses, I think it's safe to say that Moses was a worldly man. His first 40 years, he was a worldly man. But let me just stop right there before we go much farther. It was by design that Moses was a worldly man. It was of God that Moses was brought up in Egypt. Would you agree with that? God knew the plan that He had for Moses. He knew that he was going to need to be learned in the way of the Egyptians. He knew that Moses was going to have to know the customs, the courts, the military. He knew that Moses was going to have to be a very educated, intellectual individual for the purpose that he had for him. God knew before Moses knew, think about this, God knew before Moses knew that Moses was going to become one of the greatest, most read authors of all of human history. Now we know that the Bible was inspired by God. That the Holy Spirit moved upon Moses to write Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. But just from a worldly standpoint, just from a secular standpoint, Moses is the top author, one of the top authors of all of human history. For 3,500 years, his writing has not been out of print. So God knew this about Moses. He knew that Moses was going to be a top author. He knew that Moses' view of creation and science was going to be the most widely held and, and his views of science was going to be uh, what we go back to and I believe science is still catching up with today. It was Moses that told us the life of the flesh is in the blood and it wasn't until the 1800s that we finally quit bloodletting. And there's many examples of this. Moses' account of God. We've learned so much about God. Moses is a top theologian. I'm just looking, you say, why are you going to this? Because Moses was a worldly man. Just from a worldly aspect, Moses is top of his class still today. I mean, if you want to learn about God, you go to Moses' writings. If you want to learn about the history of Israel, you want to learn about the history of Egypt, he's one of the top historians. He was a songwriter. Moses was a songwriter. Moses' songs still today are being sung, studied. I'm just telling you, God had a plan for Moses when He sent him for 40 years to be educated at the top and best places. There was a purpose for this because God knew what He was going to do with him. As a young person... I think that we need to see that what God... You say, why am I at where I'm at right now? My first third of my life. What is God doing? He's preparing you. He's working. You say, it doesn't seem like what I'm doing right now is me. He's preparing you. He's working you. He has a plan for your future. Just trust Him. Just trust Him in this. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. I'm I'm still building on the message. We're going to get to some, some points here. But Hebrews... Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. The Bible says, By faith, 
Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. That was the faith of his parents. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Because it came into his heart. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of, I think this is interesting, Christ. (laughs) That took faith, didn't it? Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt. By the way, it's going to take faith for us to forsake this world. By, By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him that was invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith he passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assigned to do where drowned. Moses was ready. God put it into his heart, right? Forty years old, uh, God put it into his heart. I mean, he was top of his class. Everything he said, he knew what he was talking about, and he had deeds to back it up. He, he, he was uh, established in his mind. God put it into his heart, so he's ready to do it. He's ready to now, at 40 years old, deliver his people, right? Let me ask you a question. Does God sometimes put something in your heart before it happens? How about Joseph? I mean, I think it's kind of God put it into his heart, and Moses is like, well, if God put it into my heart, and now I'm ready, I feel like I'm top of my class here, I feel like who else could lead these people? I'm ready, let's go, let's do it, God said it, everybody's going to be behind it, and the people that he's supposed to lead are like, "Uh uh-uh, no. And now, because he doesn't have them on his side, and now he's made enemies with the Egyptians, he's got to run for his life. You know, if God puts it into your heart, it will happen. But it will happen in God's time. It will happen, but it will happen in God's time. (laughs) Now, Moses is 40 years old. God said, I sent you to secular school. You passed with flying colors. But I got a different school for you to go to now, Moses. You're ready, you think, but I'm not ready for you. You know where God sent Moses for the next 40 years? The backside. The Bible calls it the backside of the desert. For the next 40 years, Moses was ready to deliver the people. He was ready to lead them out. Let's go, guys. Let's do this. God says, no. I... I'm getting ahead of myself. He says, God says, no, Moses. I have more for you. I want to do more through you than what you could do if you did it in your own strength and your own power now. Moses, you're ready uh, intellectually, but your heart isn't ready, Moses. Your heart's not ready yet. So he sends him to the backside of the desert where he meets his wife. It was good. He had two children there. His father-in-law, the priest of Midian, by the way, he ends up throughout Moses' life becoming a great blessing to Moses. But what was he going to do for the next 40 years? This is interesting. For the next 40 years, 
Moses is going to be a shepherd. Now this is significant because in Genesis, if you go back, Joseph, Joseph, the second in command in Egypt, when his brothers come to him, he says, by the way, don't tell Pharaoh you guys are shepherds. Because shepherds are an abomination in the Egyptians. So God says, Moses, oh you're top of the class. You're as good as it gets. Right, now I'm going to have you go work with sheep for 40 years. <laughs> now I'm going to give you the worst job that you could yeah, ever as the, prince of, as the prince of Egypt. The worst job. You're going to yeah. work with those abominable sheep for 40 years in the desert. Why? Moses, because i got something really, really good for you. I, I have, I'm going to put a lot on you, Moses, and I want you to be able to take it. You know... Sheep are an abomination and shepherds are an abomination to this world, but not to God. That's right. Amen. Jesus Christ said, I'm the good shepherd. Yeah. This world may think this is an abomination. But he says to me, He says, My sheep know my voice. Amen. And he says, And this is a high call, Moses. You don't see it's a high call, Moses, but this is a high call. God wanted, God wanted Moses to get used to leading the flock in the desert for 40 years. Why? Because the next 40 years, he's going to be leading people. Thank God that God had Moses practice on animals first. (laughs) Moses, God's product, was tested on live animals, by the way. You've heard it said, it's been said so many times in church, that uh, it took... 40 years, it took one day for God to lead Israel out of out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel, right? But the same is true with Moses. Before he was going to have them work on the people, that had to do with Moses. You know what the, you know what the, the priest of Midian's daughter, his future wife, said to her dad about Moses? She said, an Egyptian. You know what Moses looked like when he got to Midian? He looked like an Egyptian. God said, Moses, I've had you raised in in Egypt for a reason, and now I've got to get that out of you to get you ready to get it out of them. He prepared Moses before he did his people. It's just interesting. God just works this way. After 40 years, Moses is... In the desert, God shows up to Moses in the burning bush. Exodus. Turn to Exodus. We'll be there for a little bit. Exodus chapter 3. Forty years out there. Forty years after it came into his heart. Exodus chapter 3 and verse... You see there? You see there in verse 1 it says, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father, in the backside of the desert. Verse verse, uh, 3, verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. 
And he said, draw now, uh, draw not nigh thither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. God says, okay, Moses, 40 years has passed. Uh, I'm going to deliver my people out of Egypt and bring them into the promised land. Verse 10, come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Who am I? I'm just, I'm just a shepherd. I've just been out here. It's been a long time since I've been anybody important. I'm just a shepherd out here. He said, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children uh, uh, out of Egypt? <laughs> you know what the Lord says? Now you're ready, Moses. See, I taught you all the head knowledge, but in the last 40 years, you know what Moses had learned? Humility. Moses in the last 40 years had learned humility. God said, I want to make you a great leader, Moses. You needed all this skill and you needed all this talent. You got that in the first 40 years. But now, in order for me to really put the power on you, Moses... I need you to be humble. You know what Moses learned? He learned to be humble. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men that were upon the face of the earth. For a prince of Egypt, that's pretty good. From a guy that was learned in all the wisdom of Egypt and was mighty in word and deed, that's pretty good to be the meekest man of all the, on all the earth. Forty years with abominable sheep will do that for you. <laughs> now Moses, he was ready to go 40 years earlier. But God said, no, I want to do more with you than you can do in your own. I want to do more with you than you can do trusting yourself. I want you to learn to trust me. I need to teach you humility. I need to make you, Moses, a shepherd. Look at verse 13 of Exodus 3. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, this is, and, and shall say unto them, The God of your father has sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, He said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me to you. You know what Moses had now? He had God with him. He had God with him. That makes all the difference. When God shows up, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. You know what he had to do? He had to send Moses back there to learn how to be made low so that he could say, now go tell him, I am is with you. And I am has sent you. You know what else Moses learned on the backside of the desert? Not only did he learn humility, but he learned how to use a staff. Every shepherd knows how to use a staff. God said, listen Moses, I need you to learn how to use a staff. Now, that may seem insignificant, but 40 years of learning how to use a staff, you say, what's that have to do with becoming a deliverer? What's that have to do with bringing a people out of Egypt? Look at Exodus 4 and verse 1. 
You know what's funny? Is Moses at this point in time in his life is trying to talk God out of using him. He's trying to talk God out of making him uh, the delivery. He's trying to talk God. He's telling him all these things. I can't talk. I, I, you know, which I find is interesting that he tells him that he's afraid to talk after the Bible already says that he was mighty in word and deed. Verse 1 of Exodus 4. Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me. You know, he's saying, I've been through this before, God. They don't want me as their leader. They're not going to believe me. They're not going to follow me. For, Nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord had not appeared to thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in my hand? He said, A rock. Forty years. You say, That was insignificant. What was he learning 40 years? How to use a rock. Now Moses, as he carried this rod around for 40 years, never thought that this was where God was going to use. Something that God was going to use. God says, Moses, what is that in thy hand? You say, what's so significant about that rod? It was that rod that he dropped down that turned into a serpent. He didn't have that power before. That's right. It was that rod that he lifted up and God parted the Red Sea. That's right. He didn't have that power before. He lifted it up. The children of Israel would look toward it to be healed. I mean, the things that Moses learned on the backside of the desert put the power behind what he had in the last 40 years. <laughs> You may have thought this 40 years in the backside of the desert was a waste of time. Sometimes we think that the, that the place that we're at right now is a waste of time. What is God doing? But let's look at it from a different perspective. What if Moses in his own strength and his own intellect would have one by one, just like he started, you know, he killed one of the Egyptian army, right? What if he had just gone one after one? He couldn't have destroyed the whole army in 40 years by himself. Moses going one by one, going through the whole Egyptian army. They were the world power at the time. But in one day, with one raise of the staff, God destroys the whole army of Egypt. In one day. Listen, if we'll just trust God and allow Him to work in our life in His time, God can do more in one day. God can do more in one day in our life than we can spend a lifetime trying to do ourselves. Just... Wherever God has you, say, this is where I'm at, and I'm here for a reason. God says, Moses, you're trying to talk me out of it. You're not depending on yourself. You're not trusting in yourself. Now you're ready. Now you're ready. I'm going to pour it on you now, Moses. Moses, I'm going to put so much on you, now you can handle it. Because of his humility, because of his meekness, God gives him the law. God gives them. God writes and He meets God face to face and He gives them the Ten Commandments. My goodness, He gives them the patterns and the ark and the tabernacle. He gives them all the feasts and the Passover. He shows them all these things. All the pictures and types of the Old Testament that we have. Even Jesus talked about it in John 3 and 14. He said, As Moses lift up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The miracles that for the, in the last 40 years that God did in, in and through Moses. The manna. The cloud, the fire, the rock. The water coming out of the rock. The shoes that never wore out. I mean, these are... I mean, can you imagine? 40 years, the children of Israel walked through the, the wilderness and their shoes never wore out. These are good hiking shoes. Okay. 
What I'm trying to say is God knows what's best. And He says, listen, no matter where you're at, no matter what third of life you're in, the best is yet to come. Now let me just say this about the best is yet to come. Each one of Moses' 40 years, they got harder. But they got better. You say, what do you mean they got harder? I would say that each one of Moses' 40 years, there was less comfort. More responsibility. Each one. I mean, the courts of Prince of Egypt, man, that's luxury, right? But each one got a little less comfort, in some ways a little harder, but in many ways better. The presence of God, the fellowship of God, the, the fulfilling your purpose and realizing that God has a plan for you. In other words, what I'm trying to say for all of us, and this goes to all of us, enjoy the journey. Whatever third you're in, wherever place you're in in your life, enjoy the journey. No matter where you're at, if you're at the beginning, the middle, the end, it doesn't matter. Moses became this great deliverer, but there was times in his life, as in his last 40 years, he was totally overwhelmed with the responsibility of, of the nation of Israel. I mean, even his father Jethro, we remember, come in and try to help him uh, manage uh, the people because he was becoming overwhelmed. I guarantee he loved what God had for him while he was in the last 40 years. Why? Because he was fulfilling his purpose. But you had to think that sometimes out there in the wilderness with a million plus people and and all of the problems that came with it, that there was times that Moses just sat back and thought about his last 40 years when all that he had to worry about was the sheep. And the time that he had with his wife and his children there when things were a little simpler. Things were a little... You know, sometimes we're ready to go to that next step. We're ready to go farther. Uh, my point with this is just enjoy where you're at. God gets you there. God's going to move. God's timing is perfect. But wherever he has you, just enjoy what he's got you in right now. Where he has you now. And trust that that's what it was. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 21 that Moses was content to dwell with the man. Talking about um, uh, the priest of Midian. In other words, you know what Moses had learned? Like Paul had learned? In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Man, going from the pre- going from the prince of Egypt down to the shepherd in and, and the wilderness, that had to take a little bit before he became content. But the Bible says that he was content to be there. In closing, go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. How do we put this into practical application in our own life? Hebrews 11. Verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Uh, Choose you this day whom you will serve. I believe that God has a purpose. God has a plan. God has a direction in our lives. And I truly believe for each Christian that God is not going to force His will on us. God is not going to force His, His 
a direction on us. He has a will for us. We've talked about that over the last few weeks. It's the will of God, even our sanctification. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But we still have to choose. Would you choose this day to serve God and follow God and His purpose and His plan? Christian, the it that He has for us, the it that He's put in our heart and in our, our, our direction of our life, it's better than anything that this world could offer. Would we choose God over this world? Would we choose God over the pleasures of this world? We talked about, uh, I was teaching a Bible study not too long ago about how that uh, Jesus told about the sower and the seed and how He plants the seed. And some seed is choked out by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. The things that God has for us, the things that God wants for us, sometimes can be choked out by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. But we, we like Moses, say, no, I'm choosing God. And I'm choosing God's people. And I'm choosing God's plan. And I'm choosing God's work over all the things that I could set out for myself. He says, listen... Uh, this prince in Egypt thing and the pleasures of this is wonderful and is great, but I'm choosing rather to serve God and to walk with God. Believer, I believe it's worth it. It was worth it in Moses' life. And I believe it's worth it in our life to say, God, I want Your plan. I want Your purpose. I'm choosing You and the fellowship with You over those. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. And feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area. Thanks. Have God bless you.